They Moons did a 9A at 49, and I did one at 55. We're kind of realizing that a lot more is possible than we realized. We don't know where these kind of limits are now. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Today is a rewind back to our 20th episode from December 2016. And we chose this episode to air today because it was in April of 2010, 13 years ago this month, that British legend Stevie Haston climbed 14D, his second of the grade that year, at the youthful age of 52. And this is after a snowboarding accident in his mid-40s that severed his Achilles, shattered his ankle, and briefly caused him to lose hope that he'd ever climb hard again. And that lost hope didn't last terribly long, of course, and with the skills he honed doing hard ascents of all types of climbing, trad, sport, scary crumbling towers, ice, boulders, and pretty much everything else, he was back at the top of the grading scale in just a few years, flashing 13 plus roof cracks and crushing 14D. And as I approach 50 with big goals, these stories inspire me more and more. So now, 13 years after he showed the world that 50-year-olds can still do 9A, we are rewinding to this conversation from the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show in Salt Lake City with climbing legend, Stevie Haston. And we were just talking about the training being mostly kind of breathing-related, lung capacity and relaxing. Is it, can you keep the same simple training philosophy there or is it a little more difficult for you uh in some ways you should keep it as simple as you can because the more complicated it becomes your mind starts creating blocks and uh it's like you know the block you get when when you're red pointing you can't red point because you want to you want it so bad i'm at that stage in my diving i want to go deeper and because my desire is so great it's blocking me it's making me tense. And the consequences are a lot higher when you're diving, huh? The consequences are fairly severe. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you know, you can die. In the competitions, no one's died now for a few years. But if you were doing it by yourself or, you know, spear fishermen, they die, they die quite a lot, okay? But it's, it's like soloing. If you go soloing, you stand a high chance of dying. Yeah, if you keep pushing it. Yeah, and so normally you climb with a buddy. And diving, you climb with a buddy. Yep. So let's talk about your, your philosophy for climbing training. That's what I'm really interested in. And I've always been a big fan of your kind of keep it simple philosophy that to me, if I had to sum it up, seems like it's just, you know, hang from your fingers, lift heavy shit, stretch, sometimes get stronger, sometimes lose weight. Yeah, that's you about know? it for me. That kind of how it, how it seems. Yeah. Has it always been that way for you? I was always very strong. I've got very good genetics for strength. Uh, I'm, I'm a very skillful person also. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not being big-headed. It's just I know that. It, sure. And it, it's good to know your advantages as well as your disadvantages. Uh, 
the philosophy of some of the parts of training uh, have changed and at the moment people don't really know where they are because it's it's thought now that a lot of climbing is much more skillful than we thought and it's true it is very skillful so a large component of your training should be climbing yeah for but, sure but someone like me and most people they're going to get blocked very quickly they're going to learn how to climb they're going to get to 510 plus ele mm -hmm. low 11s very quickly and they're just going to be blocked and they'll be blocked by their fingers right they'll be simply blocked by their fingers and then you just got to go back get stronger fingers with that stronger fingers you'll make another little progression you'll have to learn a little bit more skill and it just goes up like that it's no good getting it all in one go because if you get it all in one go the opposite happens and you just start pulling like a lunatic and you forget <laughs> about your feet and then you end up hurt yeah yeah you will end up hurt do you i'm i know it was an advantage to you that you've climbed you've got a ton of experience climbing on different rock different areas how important do you think that was to your early climbing as far as developing that skill that you talk about? It was really, really important. You know, I, I learned a lot in North Wales where we have like, I don't know, seven kinds of rock within an hour's drive. Right. And you know, on some you learn to pull like a maniac, there's cracks there, there's real hard slabs there on a, a peculiar rock called slate. Mm -hmm. slippery yeah. slabs yeah, slippery and you know you have to edge perfectly so it gave me a huge depth of you know skill sets so again I had the skill sets but then what's the missing element the missing element is strength mm -hmm. it's stamina it's whatever that route re requires and, and it's so, different for everybody, right? It is unfortunately different yeah. for everybody, but you, you know, everybody then has to address this lack of whatever they're lacking in. Yeah, for sure. So they gotta get going. You know? Yep. It's how easy. has how has your training changed as you've gotten older? Because you're you're fifty what? Fifty nine, I think. Yeah, fifty nine. Fifty nine, and you're still climbing in the you know the upper reaches of. I'm climbing fourteen A when okay. I want, but. Um, I'm less powerful than I was a couple of years ago, but that's, it's by design in, a, in some ways because I don't need that power. But if I went to France or Spain, I think I'd get it back. I'd make a good job at it, get it back in six months. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it might take me a year, but I could get it back. I, you know, when I say a year, people get frightened, don't they? For they, sure. They want it. That sounds like a long time to yeah, dedicate. Yeah, it sounds like a long time to <laughs> yeah. most people, but for me, it's nothing. Right. I'll just get it back. I'll just train. I'll disappear into my shed or whatever I've got, and I'll mm -hmm. just train. You know, I was quite shocked going to the Frankenura, uh, you know, a year ago, how strenuous it was there. You know, you have to pull. Yeah, on, on little pockets. On little pockets. And, yeah. Little open-handed pockets. And, you know, you have to train for that aspect. If you go to Spain, you have to train some power stamina, you know. It's not rocket science. Yeah, so for you, it's just a kind of a constantly revolving thing. Like, I'll train up what I need for the next objective, and then I'll just keep going after that, right? Yeah, if you've... One of the things, you know, it's a bit maybe easier for me and a lot of, lot, lot of others is that, you know, there's muscle memory. The more sports you've done as a young kid, you know, the more you're able to move. 
One of the things we're seeing at the moment, I think, is a lot of girls being really good at climbing. Mm -hmm. And they've often got a, a, a small history in, you know, gymnastics. Right. It's really obvious when you watch them. And, you know, that's a side that the guys don't have. They just don't have it. And yet, do they address this? Do they, like, sort themselves out? No, they continue to climb like burly men. Yep, I think it's trending more toward moving better. Yeah, it is. But, but it's definitely got a long way to go, you're right. It's got a long way to go, you know. And then if you watch a real master climb, climber like, you know, Francois Legrand from France who won numerous competitions, you know, he can still teach anyone, you know. In yeah. fact, that's, that's what he is. He's the French team teacher. Yep. You know, and he's a technician, just a, a brilliant super, technician. Yeah. yeah, he climbs so superbly. You know. Yeah, I use him as an example all oh, the time when I'm talking to people about footwork. Yeah. Like, go online and look up Francois Legrand and watch him climb. You know, it's so smooth, so technical, it's perfect. Perfect, perfect all the time. Yeah, he wasn't the strongest guy in, out of the shed, but he was. You know, he often got to the top. Mm -hmm. uh, so since you. You know, as you've aged, has the has the frequency of your training changed? Well, there, there you go. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because how often do I train? I might train once every five days. Mm -hmm. I might, you know, I can still gain if I train once in six days. Right. Even though I'm a lucky genetic person, I don't think climbers rest enough. And they still make gains, but not muscular and strength ones, because they're making gains at skill. At skill, climbing skills, yeah. right. The more skillful they are, the more, you know, the less force they have to use. But they're getting weaker some mm -hmm. of the time. They're actually getting weaker. They're succeeding on the problems, but they're getting weaker. And a lot of us old timers realized that a long time ago, when you go on road trips, at the end of the road trip, you're weak. Right. Yeah, you're climbing one grade harder, but you're weak. Yeah. And uh, if this goes on for too long, you know, you'll go back backwards. Yeah. Do you have a way to gauge that, or is it just you? You can feel it. You just in know the, it. In the old days, I would take a fingerboard around with me, mm -hmm. and some weights, and I had very specific, uh, you know, scores to reach. Right. And I would know I was going backwards, or, you know just staying, you know, where I was. Yeah, interesting. And I used to weigh myself, you know, every two days. Mm -hmm. And when you come back to your home area, could you tell the difference? I would you know? have certain, you know, like when I lived in France, I had six, you know, pull-up boards, and I knew exactly where I was on each hold. Right, so you had standard metrics that you kind of yeah. always came back to and yeah. said, if I yeah. can't do these, I need to get stronger yeah. again. How many one arms can I do on you know the left? How many one arms can I do on the right? How long can I hold a front lever for? I had it right. all written down, and I'm not like a righty down kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> but I had all of these things written down, you know. Yeah, that's good to do. I'm I'm not either. I don't keep nearly as as good of notes and as good of track as I should, but I do I do have some of those metrics and I do know where yeah. I should be. So. That's it. You, that's important you to have. You should know. Yeah. Yep. You should know the maximums and then. You should look at some other people, some of your friends, and and try and judge them too. Yeah, for see, sure. See how strong they are exactly. I got into a load of trouble, you know, a couple of years ago when I interviewed Mr. Ondra, young Mr. Ondra, yeah. and I said he was really weak. Yeah, and I think you're right. He was weak. He's, yeah. he's a lot stronger now, but mm -hmm. 
that guy was so much weaker than most of my friends and myself. But his skill level and his, his speed yeah. was so high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's still a genius, that boy. Yeah, for sure. That young man now. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's important to be able to recognize those weaknesses and even the strongest climbers. You know, yeah. it's, it's important for everyone to see that Adam Ondra has, you know, he's got a soft spot. He's got a weakness. Yeah, which he's addressing. And he's addressing now. He, he right? really is addressing it. And he's got stronger and he will do 9C. Yep. He will break that magic barrier, I think. He's trying it at the moment, and we'll see anyway. Now, do you ever look at the science of training, and then just do you distill it down, or you, do you just ignore it? Or how do you uh, keep this simple philosophy with things constantly changing? Uh, I've got a very long history in sport. I was a runner when I was a kid, and I got into a lot of trouble with my running training because... All the running protocols and all of the sport protocols are based on people who take drugs. Right. And That's a good point. Yeah. And this is what most sportsmen don't understand. If you're really, really good at a sport, it means you're chemically enhanced. If you're chemically enhanced, you don't need very much rest or recuperation. Right. And then all those numbers are skewed. Yeah. Everything is really, really wrong. Yep. And... Um, that's why I didn't become the runner that I wanted to become, because they have you running, quite serious amounts of running, on days you should be flat on your back. Right, sure. Yeah. And, uh, back to your rest is yeah. the most important part. How can you get better if you can't grow in those or regenerate? Mm -hmm. And if you look at running protocols today, you'll know that there's something really, really wrong with them. Yep. And what about, I mean, climbing training is kind of, it's, it's very, very young, still very dumb compared to a lot of, a lot of training. And, but it is growing and there are, there is research being done. There's a lot of research being done on the quiet, yeah. Yeah, are you paying any attention to that stuff? Yeah, it gets sent into me, into me by my friends and, you know, mm -hmm. I, I try and keep up with it, but it's, it's hard to, to tell whether a lot of it's effective because then you'd have to do you know what they're telling you to do and that would take a long time yeah whereas what i do always works for me mm -hmm. and, and I, you know i think if you read that research and and really try to distill it down it almost always leads you back to the simple things that are part of your philosophy yeah and they tell you to rest and then the guys that do those protocols they won't rest they'll disobey what what's being said Mm -hmm. And uh, so, this is when you look at people who train now. There's a lot of success from people who are being trained, and it's because they need to obey. They need to obey, you know, the rest, the rest cycles. Left to their own devices, they won't rest. Yeah, it's really hard to make climbers rest. Yeah. I mean, we love this. We love climbing, so yeah. we, well, we want to do it climbing. all the time. Yeah, climbing is great. But, it's but not it, good if for you us. do it all the time, you won't succeed all the time. So you've seen a lot of success with trainers and kind of climbers are a bit more controlled by another person, and that's the normal way in sport. You know. Have you followed down any paths of you know trying some new training that that didn't work out? That yeah, and you've I just have. taken it out entirely. Lots and lots of times I've trained in the wrong way. You know, one of the big problems on roots is, you know, like power stamina or just, it's kind of stamina really at a high level. And 
it might be the trickiest area of climbing. You know, someone genetically gifted, the strength won't be a problem. Right. But that power stamina element is really what kind of typifies a lot of roots. You know, it's... Um, yeah, it's often the failure point for people. Yeah, say yours, you know, 30 meter pitches, you know, pretty hard for like 20 meters mm-hmm. or 25 meters. It's like, it's a killer. It's really hard to train for. Really hard to train for. You know, um, that's where I've failed tons and tons of times. Yeah, and I think there's a mental component to that kind of training. Like we were just talking about with diving, it's hard for you to learn the relaxation when you're diving, but you're really good at it with climbing. Yeah, I am very good at it climbing. In diving, I'm absolute rubbish, but... Was it always that way with climbing? Were you just naturally good at it? No, I had to make it less important. You know, I'm a very passionate person. The more more you want something, the less you're gonna be able to get it. It just tightens up your mind. The more pressure you put on your mind, the more it's not in control of your body. Mm -hmm. You know, you need, you need to be halfway. Your, your mind has to be relaxed. Otherwise, it just tenses up and it slows everything down. The movements have to be subconscious. And it, the more stress you put on yourself, the less subconscious they become. Right. And everything just gets really screwed up. Yeah. Was, was there anything that you did that helped that process along or was it just the experience? I used to climb a lot and I used to climb with people who were better than me and clearly the job they had to do was less because they were better than me. But I realized that for me, I'd just run through the moves or, you know, think some nice thoughts, slow my, you know, disengage my brain. Right. It's just normal relaxation, normal yoga. Yep. And I think that, I think that climbing with people who are better than you is huge because you kind of, there's a new paradigm, you know, you start to feel like, oh, maybe this grade isn't this crazy hard thing that I thought it was. Yeah, and again, you're setting up, you're setting up climbs on a pedestal where you're saying that they're really difficult. That's not what you want to do. It, it's almost a kind of self-delusion. You know, you have to say that they're not hard. But then after they take you 10 days and you still haven't got anywhere, right. then, you know, you're creating a problem for yourself. You've probably overreached, you know, your ability and it's time to bring it your aspirations down to a more sensible level. Uh, How much do you think your general lifestyle plays into your still being able to climb at a high level, still being able to, you know, perform in any sport at a high level at 59? Uh, it's getting more interesting because some people, they look to me and they go, well, you know, Stevie can do it, I can do it. And that's really helped. If you look at Ben Moon, Ben Moon just did a 9A right. at 49 you know, I did one at 50, I did one at 55 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of realizing that a lot more is possible than we realized. And we don't know where these kind of limits are now. We don't. That's good. But, and my lifestyle is all, it's, it's built around me enjoying my body in sport. Mm-hmm. I don't work very much. And, you know, it's a bit haphazard my life, but at the end of the day, I don't want to work. I want to do my sport. Yeah. I want a little bit of money to do my sport. I want to go climbing. I want to swim. 
I want to do a, you know a bit of a trail running when I when I'm in the right place. Right, and, and you've cultivated it. that over years. Yeah, I've so been it's... doing that all my life, all my life, and that some other some other lucky people have too. You know, if you live in a nice place, you know, Boulder, Salt Lake City, you can have a lot of those things too. Uh huh. While still working and yeah, you know, while living the normal grind. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the five, to, you know, the nine to five rather, and you can still do it in Salt Lake or Boulder. Yeah. Is there anything that you think is particularly important other than rest that we already talked about for it, the aging? Yeah, there's athlete? a few areas where you can get a couple of percent. You know, yoga is important to me, but, you know, some kind of form of stretching is very important for people. Mm-hmm. You can get you know, maybe at least five percent more out of your climbing. Nutrition is the same. It's more important if you've got really lousy nutrition. If you eat really bad, you'll get better by eating really well. And um, you know, then you have to seriously look at your weight. Mm-hmm. You have to be brutal about how masculine you want to look. Men have got a real hang up about you know, like looking like a man. You don't really want to look like a burly man if you're a climber. Right. And that's a big barrier to a lot of men. And um, girls have a similar barrier. They don't want to look, you know, burly. But I happen to think that a a strong-looking rock-climbing girl is very attractive. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, one of my problems was I was a very masculine guy and I wanted to look like a, a man. You know, yeah, you're my, kind of a burly build yeah, anyway. My, my background, you know, in the Mediterranean, you know, with macho and all of this. And I realized very early on climbing in France that it wasn't the kind of the UK look as well, you know, power thing. It right. was more of a sustained, clever stamina climber that got up the roots. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we got, you know, yoga or stretching. We got nutrition and like don't drink alcohol there's another 5%. It will seriously screw up, you know, how you take in nutrients. And it's hard to stick to stick to those things. It's but. very hard, but if you want the results, you have to do it. So you get a few percent from each, it adds up to quite a result. Yeah. You know? and then after you get a, your good result, your good red point or your good holiday, you know, relax. If you stay at a really low weight, you're going to screw your body up. Stay light for one month maximum. That's it. You said something really interesting in a blog a while back about uh, sometimes you want to lose weight, sometimes you want to be stronger, and there are different routes that require different things. You know, what's your what's your take on that? Well, if you're trying to you know make muscle, which very few people need to do, you have to slow your metabolism down. It's just a physical, physiological thing. You mm-hmm. need to eat food and you need to slow everything down. And I think a lot of climbers find that hard because they're, they're not like that. They want to climb every day. Yep. But if you want to build some muscle up, you have to slow everything down. And, but when you want to lose weight, you want to maybe build, build your metabolism up, be a bit faster, and that means a lot of climbing too. You can do it by a lot of climbing. Is there a particular kind of route where you think you you want more muscle? You want well, to be stronger? It, it would be power climbing like Frank and Yura or, you know, big caves like where I used to hang out. All right, big steep pools on yeah, things. Yeah, you know, if you can't do a one-arm 
front lever and stuff like that. You have to be really gifted, like Andre or someone. Mm -hmm. Some of my mates are very, very good. But most of my mates who climb font, you know, font um, 8B, they can all do one armors. Right. Yeah? It's just that kind of small level of strength. Well, you know, for me, that's a kind of, that's a minimum level of power. And yeah. do you think you should train to do those one arms, or does it come along with getting stronger for climbing? Uh, some of my mates got to one armers just by climbing in the Frankenjura for like you know a couple of seasons. Right. But I, I guess they might have been gifted. I trained for one armers when gotcha. I was. I trained for one armers when I was fourteen. Yeah, and you felt like it transferred over to your climbing pretty well. It didn't immediately because, in some ways, it may made me climb better, but my footwork wasn't in step with my power gotcha but it meant that my power was always there mm -hmm. so when i did find my technique eventually everything did come together and yep as long as you're looking for it i think you have to look you for have it. to stay on top of it you know yeah. power is ruthless it's ruthless you know mm -hmm. you don't you don't want to let it be in control of you you want to be in control of your feet that's what you want to be in control of yeah you want to be in control of your panic you know your panic yeah, and I think Chris Sharma is a good example of that. When he was younger, it certainly looked like his power was in control of him. Yeah. But he's grown into it now. He's and become he still a better has that climber. Power. Right, a but much he's a better, better climber. climber. He used to get up things on strength and tenacity and willpower. And, uh, you know, in the last few years, he's been getting up things on a lot of skill. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of skill. I know you're not in your, in your climbing season in Malta right now that it's mostly diving and that's what you're psyched to be doing right now. Do you have other goals for climbing? Yes. Um, next year I want to climb 514B. It's just, it's not just a number, it's just nothing I should do it when I'm 60. And, awesome. Um, I've got a couple of climbs on my island. No, not a couple, I've got, you know, hundreds of new routes to do. Yeah. And some of them will require a lot of power stamina. You know, 50 meter pitches, very like Soyuz. And I've been frightened of opening a couple of the cliffs there because I really hate training for that kind of route. <laughs> but now I think, oh, okay, I'll just train for those routes and, you know, see what happens. Yeah. And, well, that's uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the, I appreciate your simple approach. And it's, it's been great for me because I can get caught up in the, the minutia and the science of it and, and want to start changing little things. But it's really great for me to come back to your blog and just go, all right, I just need to keep it simple. You yeah. Know, that's what it all comes back to anyway, eventually. One of the simple things is just having good habits. You know, train three times a week. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it too much. You know, have a good time, train three times a week. Train twice a week. But train. Yeah. You know, train. Yeah, I think you that's... that's you, you don't have to hang on those little edges for precisely, you know, seven to eight seconds. You don't. Right, right. You don't. Those kind of protocols don't mean anything. But train your fingers. You know, make yeah. sure you're kind of around the right mark. There's overtraining and undertraining. You know, if you're going to do a marathon, you don't have to do a marathon every day. Right, sure. You know need to train the components of the marathon. The components of it. If you train a marathon every day, you'd be dead, you know. Yeah, you'll never get to the actual marathon. No. <laughs> no. 
All right. Well, man, I appreciate you taking time out. I know it's crazy here at OR. So. It is crazy at OR, but it, it's motivating also because you see all these great people. Yeah. You, I just saw Lynn Hill. She looks great. Yeah. You know, she's, I won't say old because she's obviously 21 years old, <laughs> you know, but she's an inspiration. She's you eternally see, 21. Yeah. You see yeah. Chris Sharma. You see Stefan Glutlaufix. Yeah, I saw you were hanging out with both those guys the other yeah. day. You know, those yeah. two guys really inspire me, you know. Yep. I was talking to Stefan. Stefan's one of the great European heroes. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about an, old, an older guy called Bernd Arnold. My last new route was named after him. It was called Bernd. Oh, and, I saw that. Yeah. And so you go into Bernd's old house in East Germany. What do you see? You see fingerboards. Right. You know, With strong fingers. 35 year old, 40 year old fingerboards. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not an accident that Bernd was a good climber. Right. He doesn't need to have pulleys and timers and all those things. No. He just he just used to hang out there. Hangs on his fingers yeah. and gets strong. Yeah. Yeah. Lives in a great place, you know, with cliffs around him. So that was it. Yeah. Cool. All right. But man, thanks for sitting down. I really, really appreciate it. A pleasure, man. Pleasure. Since this conversation more and more science has explored climbing performance, but the results are pretty much the same. As long as you aren't reading too much into it and wildly extrapolating from what the research says, then all roads lead back to at least neighboring the common sense training that climbers like Stevie had figured out a long time ago. Sure, there are lots of theories about how we've gotten it so wrong, but those are all just theories. So far, the proof is on the side of common sense. And while the conversations flip to never talk about losing weight and never compare yourself to other people, there are great reasons to do both of these things. And there has to be a healthy way to discuss them. So I appreciate Stevie's candid takes. And I'll be exploring those topics a little more in future episodes. At the blog post for this episode, you'll find more about Stevie, where you can find him online. You'll also find thousands of articles, training plans, courses, and products that can help you become a better climber. We just completely overhauled the website to make it easier to navigate all of that advice, so go check it out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Power Company Climbing, but you won't find us on Twitter because we don't tweet, we scream like eagles. Don't this time, 